Player one on Sin. I am, of course, Eleni, joined by the fabulous Connor. And you know, folks, a month or two ago, hopefully you listened into Connor and I preview the quarry. And now, folks, we're here to review it. We're very excited. I'm sure everyone's been waiting, waiting for this podcast special. I know Connor and I have been hanging out to have this lovely chat. So, Connor, how are you today? I'm doing uh, fantastic. And yeah, I, I, I blitzed through this game. Um, just to get this review done because it's it's still very fresh in the minds and with and I've played this multiple times now so I've got a lot of different perspectives definitely and yes as you said we both blitzed through it um just before we get into the the nitty-gritty of the game itself though to give anyone listening in a bit of context of course you know the the general plot of the quarry is a group of camp counselors teenagers spend the summer at a summer camp called Hackett's quarry and you know there's a a bit of mystery a bit of drama a bit of horror that ensues we don't want to give too much weight at the moment we're definitely going to be spoiling oh, yeah. things we later are, we we are going to be entering spoiler town like so just be prepared for it definitely and you know one of the the things about all supermassive games is that they're interactive and you know you the player the, the person controlling the characters makes choices and you know depending on the choices you make the outcome of the game can be completely different and Connor you know you said you've had multiple playthroughs so I sort of want to have you kick things off take us through your initial playthrough what happened who survived who died and you know just take it away okay so an, an interesting thing about the choices in this game because even the most minor of choices have such an impact on the story throughout. Um, so our first playthrough, um, we in total had only two deaths, which for a for a quite a, a a large roster of what I believe is like nine or ten different characters, um, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And those deaths could were very preventable. Like they were very preventable. And we did try to do the old exit out of the game and re-enter it and pray that it gets us there but no um so what happened with us so me and my partner played through this game i was sort of the decision maker she was controlling everything um what we really wanted to do to start off with is figure out which characters we liked and didn't like and sort of based our playthrough of, of our first one about trying to keep the characters that we really liked alive and throughout that time you'll find some really you'll find some really engaging characters, especially I, I'm pretty sure you felt the same, Eleni, but um, Dylan, who is just the star of the show, the, that man gets, you know, let's put up like a gore warning. Um, we will need this because this is a violent and, you know, sometimes brutal game. Um, he gets his hand cut off, you know, because essentially the, uh, as soon as I say, yeah, we'll enter Spoiler Town later. Guess what? We're entering Spoiler Town now. Uh, there are werewolves afoot. And if you get bitten by the werewolves in the game, you get the infection, which need, which will slowly spread across your body to when, to, uh, to when you turn. Dylan, even before this moment where um, one of the other characters, Nick, gets bitten, 
he had this very strong and smart idea of having to cut off the limb. Now with Dylan, what makes this great is he cuts off his hands. He looks at the character Ryan, who's played by Justice Smith, and goes, why did you cut my hands off? He goes, you told me to. He goes, oh, yeah, bad idea. Like, just immediately, best character in the game, without question. Um, but the characters that died in this game for our first run was, sadly, Caitlin, played by Brenda Song. So Sweet Life of Zack and Cody's really all over Supermassive Games recently. Um, but we had, towards the end, we had the choice of either trying to trap a werewolf in the freezer or run. We chose run and it was just an instant death. Uh, some of these choices in the game are instant death. It just no way you can avoid it, which is kind of frustrating because I would have at least liked a potential QTE um, with, a, with one of the weapons in the game but and the second death we had was actually nick and that was just a spur of the moment thing where um one of the characters laura at the very start of the game um and who's also in the preview that took place about a month or two ago before the game's release um just shot one of the werewolves with silver bullets just without thinking thinking that it was uh the head of hackett's quarry uh, no it was nick and we found that out at the end of the game. We sort of suspected it. And that's and that's another thing. When you make these decisions, you sort of suspect on how they're going to turn out. Um, I think the best one, for example, for me was, um, I think really was a Dylan. We, we had a choice in one of the later scenes where Dylan got bitten again and he was infected. But that actually ended up helping us rather than hindering us as um, when we had Caitlin die, the werewolf actually went up to Dylan and smelt him and knew he was infected. So it ran off. So we avoided a two for one here. So that was kind of cool how every little choice or every, or every inaction has both the negative but also a very positive outcome to it. Um, Eleni, would you just, I guess you can go through some of the details of your playthrough because I feel like we will have our own separate section for the story as a whole to bring more context to what is happening here. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, you know, um, in, in terms of the, the different playthroughs, I think that's something that I love that you touched on, how so many little things come into play. But, you know, as I said at the beginning, a lot of the game sort of centres around this idea of, you know, which teenagers survive and you sort of went through yours. And for me... I had a few heartbreaking ones that, and I told, <laughs> I told you this off air when we were discussing, yes. like, it was just, I made the right decisions. It was just, my execution was poor. So like the first one, the big one for me um, was that Caitlin died in my playthrough as well, except, you know, like there's a scene where literally the exact same scene that, that you mentioned, it just played out differently in that, you know, I, I made the decision to have Caitlin investigate a noise, which ended up being two of the other characters, Emma and Abby. They gave her silver bullets, which, as we'll discuss a bit later, is one of the ways you can kill the werewolves, or the only way, really. Uh, and had it all ready to go, had the silver bullet in, I just messed up the quick time event where I had to shoot the werewolf and she just died. So that was just like, I was very angry about that. I was disappointed in myself. Um, the other one was Max. I just made the complete wrong decision. I should have left him in a particular spot when I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> decided yeah. to have him go swimming, immediately died, heartbreaking. Uh, and the other one was Jacob, which like, you know, you and I will discuss 
later oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, go, we'll, go, we'll go through characters um but wasn't too heartbroken about that one one thing i do sort of just want to touch on now is sort of the plot and also look at you know the fact that kind of you and i are like I don't know if I want to call us prophets or like future seekers, <laughs> but in our preview, we almost clocked the entire plot of this game just from that gameplay footage. Uh, so as, as you mentioned, you know, the, I guess the main big baddie, the main sort of narrative of this game centers around werewolves uh, for, I guess, a bit of more context. It is the Hackett family that have this curse brought on them, which does turn them into werewolves. And essentially all of the characters that get bitten turn, but the way to save them or free them is to uh, kill or get rid of the werewolf who originally infected them in the first place. And this kind of leads to this big sort of chase for Chris Hackett, who, as you mentioned, is the the leader of the summer camp. He runs the summer camp. He's presented to us as a lovely guy played by David Arquette. So how could we not love him? Uh, Unfortunately though, it is sort of the reality of the situation that he does need to die in order for everyone who's been infected to live, or at least the teenagers uh, to live. Uh, So what did you think of the fact that we basically clocked the narrative? And I remember in the preview, preview, uh, sorry, you were very much so, wanting a game that kind of steered clear of the supernatural definitely not what the quarry was so how did you no, find the no. supernatural elements this time around like i i liked what they went with because i think since house of ashes and how well the vampire um narrative went this was this was the right choice as much as i wanted like a hot fuzz situation going on but actually as well even before the hackett family were infected throughout the game you're given bits of context as to what's happened before um before the summer camp happened and then as well what led to the Hackett family being infected um which of course the um there was like a almost like a a traveling sideshow coming through to town and essentially the Hackett kids Caleb and Kaylee started a fire to release one to to release almost essentially the white wolf so the main cause of this entire infection um, has escaped and their mother is the mother's essentially deceased because the mother is traveling with the wolf boy and throughout the game because you have opportunities to explore and look around to pick up clues hints um, evidence which we will go into a little bit later but also um, bits of the history of the Hackett family and as you play the game you piece together everything that's happened beforehand and you get to revisit um, the particular section where Laura and Max in the gameplay preview um, swerved off their car and down the uh, down the, the the into the forest um, but yeah so definitely oh uh, I wish that I wish I was right, but I think they made the right choice. It was a fun, entertaining choice because I think that um, unlike Supermassive Games' as other uh, Dark Pictures anthology, specifically uh, Man and Medan and Little Hope, it's not all in their head. It's a physical creature. Because and as well, this is a spiritual, a quote unquote spiritual successor to the quarry. I really don't think that's a necess- I think that was more of a buzzword. This is ve- this is very much its own game um but it it goes on to that nice horror trope of a werewolf which we haven't which 
is cool. I, I wonder what's next if Supermassive Games going to do like a mummy game. That'd be kind of cool. But um, I would you agree, Eleni, that this isn't an Until Dawn successor? This is just its own game, but that's just a label that they've put on it. No, I totally agree. And I think um, really, I mean, it was obviously just like, you know, a, a clever marketing um, system, yeah. which I totally understand, of course. I mean, it does have a lot of similarities in that, you know, it's a group of teenagers that you control and play through. And there is kind of this like very classic teenage horror genre trope, which I love. And I think that's why I've, I would say the quarry and until dawn are probably my favorite supermassive games, just because of the way they're structured. Um, One thing you just touched on then was sort of the origins of the werewolf curse, which was, as you said, started when Kaylee and Caleb wanted to free this young boy Silas from the clutches of his just horrible mother Um, ends up sort of going astray when, you know, the fire that they start as a diversion ends up unfortunately killing young Silas. The mom then puts this curse on them, which like, this is where I found the game a bit tricky in that sort of the structure, there was like a lot of elements to it. Um, but one thing I did enjoy was, as you said, werewolves, because I think that one thing they've got down pat is bringing the supernatural and like having an at least an interesting enough spin on it that it keeps you invested. The one thing I do want to touch on with the werewolves, I'm curious to get your answer on this. I found their design very similar to Until Dawn's Wendigos. And that was the only kind of issue I had is that I liked that it was a bit of a more original take on werewolves, but I just couldn't help but draw similarities every time I was playing that game. I it's been a while since I've played Until Dawn and have forgotten what the Wendigos look like properly, but I do get what you mean in that it's a it's not like a traditional horror werewolf where it just looks like a big dog it's a, just a bald like hairless hairless creature almost i don't know i uh my thought was they look similar as well they look very similar to the um the vampires in house of ashes just except they don't have wings it's all just legs and arm but I, what I did like, however, was the tra- like how someone transformed into the werewolf, how they just exploded out of their own skin. Yeah, that to, was messed up, man. That was like, like actually oh, cooked. The, the first time you see it, so early on in the game, um, Nick, who is uh, played by an Australian actor, um, he gets bitten early on in the game and you start noticing the turn slowly. And it gets to the point where he he is about to explode. And thankfully, well, you have the choice of one or two options, either saving Abby or watching Abby die. Thankfully, we saved her. Um, but you just see him bolt out the window and now it's just free reign. Now you have to actually, and that's another thing with the vampires as well. As much as you want to defend yourself from them, you're also trying to keep task of... Um, trying to keep them alive some of them have already turned so sometimes you don't really know which vampire you're oh, sorry not which not which vampire which werewolf you're up against so you're having to make a very serious choice because if i i recall in my um in the first playthrough we had a um we had a werewolf attack oh it was um in when emma um gets bitten on the leg as she's trying to escape 
uh, Max in his werewolf form because um, earlier on in the game, we don't see it on screen. It's just mentioned Laura has dropped Max off in the island of Hackett's Quarry to basically stay away because the werewolves are deathly weak in water. They will, it's almost like uh, putting garlic towards a vampire. Um, they will burn. Um, and Laura gets, sorry, not Laura, um, Emma gets bit. And after a while, she goes into a car just to relax. Then um, with Caitlin, Dylan, and Max and Laura, I believe, um, they go back and Get, try to set her free or they open up the door and it's Emma in in werewolf form and we had the choice of either silver bullets or regular bullets if we had done the silver bullets Emma would have been dead but we but I remember we chose regular bullets just to try and scare it off because we knew that we were getting really close to where potentially we could lift this curse and keep people alive yeah, well, I think um, that's one thing that I really liked about this game in that, you know, we'll, we'll go through all of the teams a bit later, but I liked this idea that, like, sometimes, like, the correct decision was to kill people. Sometimes it was let, to let people, you know, end up cursed, and then sometimes it was to not kill people. Like, I liked the actual change-up. It was very much so a grey sort of decision-based system. And even, you know, one thing that, you know, these games feature a lot of is sort of like quick time events or, you know, like trigger prompts. And I liked that genuinely every time sort of the trigger prompt would, would pop up, there would be like a genuine decision that you had to make. A lot of the time not doing anything was the correct call. And I like that they leaned into that more because I think, you know, looking at the evolution from Until Dawn, for example, I think most often when those prompts came up, you were supposed to do that. Whereas I like that this time around, like I went through the game thinking that I'd completely cooked it and it wasn't necessarily like that I was doing the wrong thing. It's just that the decisions were actually difficult. And like, you know, you would go through something and I would be like, oh yeah, like I think that was the right thing to do. And then it absolutely wasn't. Like it was just the complete wrong thing. I thought that was a really interesting change up from from previous uh, supermassive narratives. Like I have noticed with other playthroughs, um, some of the shooting, like shoot or not shoot decisions, sometimes don't mean anything. But it's, and that's another thing that this game really does well in. It's that it's not a scare. It it is a horror game, absolutely. But it's not a scary game. It's a very tense game where it makes you really question every decision that you've had and makes you question. It sometimes it puts you sometimes in a morally difficult situation where you have to sort of go against what you would normally do to whether it's the right choice or the wrong choice to do it. Like, for example, cutting off Dylan's arm, that's a freaky decision that we've got to make. And it, and there's no way around it. You have to do it. But then it brings up the option of chainsaw or a shotgun. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, we, we, we can't get out of this. We just have to do it. And morally, you don't want to have to cut someone's arm off. But the fact is that to save this person from being infected, which in our playthrough became null and void because he got infected again, um, we just had to do it. And 
Grant, it may well Grant, it made Dylan the character a much more likable character because then we eventually got to see who he really is and that was cool that was cool but definitely this game in terms of tension in your decision making is i think the number one source of horror in this game not just the creatures themselves not just the transitions but your decision making absolutely and you know uh i guess the 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 natural thing for us to talk about now is characters and you know you just mentioned (laughs) you, you just mentioned that some decisions kind of you know you're kind of left making one of two bad decisions i think the one that happens early on from probably both of our least favorite characters is jacob when you have to sabotage the car you don't have a choice oh Um, my god don't don't get me this whole thing could have been avoided exactly if he didn't want a booty call so yeah we're, we're in a game full of horny teenagers and one of them is just like you know what maybe if i should mess up the car we should stay here another night <laughs> exactly oh, but, I, but i but that was one thing i actually liked that because i think rather than having the whole i guess idea of being able to mold every single character into a likable and redeemable figure i like that oh, some I know, of you them, get that irredeemable person well there was a couple and i actually enjoyed that like you know i think jacob's probably the biggest one but then you know, and I know you and I have spoken about this. Even someone like Nick wasn't a particularly sure he was like the sweet, nice guy, but he wasn't really. And I liked that, yeah, you know, it wasn't this classic case of like all of the sort of stereotypes have their redemption from like, you know, for example, Jacob, like he goes from like the, you know, goofy jock and then becomes, you know, like the hero. I liked that, like, it was no, he was just a dumb, goofy jock and he stayed that way. And, you I... know, that I enjoyed that. I was just saying, playing through the game, I thought it was, I don't, after the first few minutes of seeing Jacob the character, I never thought it would get to the point where he would become Mike from Until Dawn, where he is that like jock, but at the end of the game, he sort of redeems himself because he grows as a person throughout that. No, Jacob does not grow as a person. He, He still remains the same as like an immature uh an immature teenager the only time there was actually one time in one of our other playthroughs where it was redeemable now this is a case where emma does not get infected she escapes unscathed and jacob escapes from the hackett house um there's a moment where he is hiding in the woods and he's he's just broken down into tears and is constantly just regretting everything he's done and he and the one line he says i wish i could tell people that i am so sorry and it's like okay there is like you can tell that he he regrets this and he's screwed up but but that's it that's the one sort of slightly redeemable part about his character is that he understands that yes i've made a huge and terrible mistake which probably should have been realized when the whole thing started let's be honest um but as well i think in terms of the the likable characters that i didn't expect to like emma was kind of a badass well yeah i was gonna say before we sort of get into all of the characters i think we should just quickly list off all the teenagers you can play as Uh, so we've mentioned a couple of these names but of course we have caitlin emma ryan dylan Jacob, Max, Laura, Abby, and Nick. They are all of our teenagers. You play as them at least once throughout the game. Uh, As you said, definitely some likable ones, some that weren't initially likable. So quickly run me through, Connor, your three favourite characters that we play as. Okay, 
Yep, number one on the top of that list was Dylan. He became the most likable character towards the end. Um, Caitlin was awesome, specifically for the one scene in the scrapyard where her and Dylan are like fending off a vampire. Oh, sorry, I keep saying vampire, a, a werewolf together. And Dylan with one arm is just he he blows he blow torches one of them, and then you, he's using a, a crane. Um, to control a car that's been magnetized and drops a car onto a werewolf. And I'm like, that's cool. That's a really cool character. Caitlin was great. She was a smart ass, but also in ways like a pseudo mother of the group. Like she, she takes care of people. And then the last one, I am going to give to Laura because Laura really does turn into a badass. Oh, definitely. I think um, for me, it's like funny, like you're like Dylan was the clear favorite for me. It was Laura. I think Laura was also like, I think what I enjoyed and, you know, we, we mentioned obviously in the preview that you uh, play through uh, with Max and Laura, you follow their journey. It seems to appear that they won't come back, but then, you know, halfway through the game, yeah. they do come back. And I think Laura comes back in a big way. And what I loved was that it maybe wasn't initially presented, but I almost feel like she was the, kind of main protagonist of the game really she definitely everything that she's involved in is kind of the center of the story which I loved that Um, is true I do agree with that yeah she's kind of at all the the pivotal parts um so for me she was like my clear favorite as you said she becomes a real badass and I love the idea that you know she was not only wanting to make sure that she got out alive but she was basically doing it all to save her boyfriend max who was like the cutest sweetest little like cherub ever um and like when i killed him off i was like almost hysterically crying but laura clear favorite um i did like dylan absolutely agree but i think for me my second favorite was probably ryan um really okay i really really liked ryan i think he became the the pseudo hero leader figure you know he was the one who definitely stepped up the minute that you know everything started to hit the fan really uh and and caitlin i think the three of them were kind of i found that whenever the group got split and whatnot i found that the three of them whenever they were in situations were always the one on the front foot kind of leading the way taking the initiative and I am always just drawn to those characters who you know like really step up in 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 difficult times so I think those three were like pivotal in getting everyone else out alive uh but you know we've gone through our favorites now I want to hear Connor your three least favorites who were the characters that you were like could not care less okay uh, number one is Jacob um in both of our playthroughs, he didn't die, which was kind of like a, you know what, damn, we 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 tried, we tried, and out of everyone, he got out, he got off the least um, unscathed. Um, there's not many characters that I do dislike that are playable besides Jacob. I am going to put some non-playable characters in there, to be honest. Um, Eliza, the Hag of Haggard's Quarry. Um, I loved how she was trying to sort of manipulate the player character. Um, so similar, if, you, if you're familiar with supermassive games and their work, there'll always be sort of that one uh, character in the videos who will be sort of, are they pointing you in the right direction? Are they not pointing you in the right direction? They're trying to provide context for the, or not context, but try and be like, yo, 
you, you know, I can I can help you. Uh, sorry, um, it, what it is is after every chapter, there's always a figure who basically just guilt trips you for not playing yes. the game correctly, and then they go yes. do better next time, and then you play the next chapter, come back, and they're like, "Why do you still suck? Be better." That's essentially what that figure is, and she was perfection. So continue, please. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 oh but here's the thing: the curator in those supermassive games, he's cool. He's good. Um, so, but yes, um, Eliza, the Hag of Haggard's Quarry, and then finally, ooh, oh, I'm going to say the, the the matriarch of the Hackett family, who is so the 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 Hackett family. I've got to say, is a weird family. I don't know what's up with them because you got Chris, who's sort of that. He is the the head of Hackett's Quarry, and you can tell in his heart he's trying to do his best to protect the kids and do what he can because um when uh jacob breaks the car and obviously he doesn't know he doesn't know what's happened he is freaking out because he knows exactly what's going to happen and he's trying to get them out of there um travis who who if you recall in the demo or not the demo but the um the preview is the police officer we don't know that it's uh travis hackett until much later in the game but he, he's just trying to do his best and trying to end the curse that's been corrupting his family. And he's just getting constantly berated by his mother behind his back for not being as good. And you know what? When, when uh, there's that struggle between her and Laura for the shotgun and Laura wins, I'm not even mad at that. You know what? She probably deserved it. It's got, and it gets to the point where Travis... There is a very intense point of the game, sort of, I'd say three quarters through, where it's just death after death after death. And you know what? Travis, he ain't even mad that his mother or mother and father's dead. He's just like, let's just end this, man. So your three least favorites are Constance, Eliza, and Jacob? Yes, absolutely. Wow, Jacob. I mean, I don't like Jacob, but you've really stitched him up there by like comparing him to those two. That is a bit, <laughs> a bit of a steep. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, but if he didn't mess up the car, none of them would have been affected by any of this. <laughs> it's true. He he actually does deserve it. Um, on that note, though, uh, yeah, my three least favorites. I am gonna say three um playable characters. But uh, yeah, Jacob is absolutely number one. I agree with you. I think obviously he's the cause of it all, but he's irredeemable. I guess I, you know, you need characters like that. Uh, the other two, uh, you know, before we just mentioned Nick, I did not like Nick at all. I just found his character, I feel like he's the classic, like, nice guy, but isn't yeah. really a nice guy. And then, like, what was interesting obviously you know him and kind of him and abby have a little like mini crush romance thing going on uh my first playthrough i kind of had them pursue that and have a little kiss moment second playthrough i ignored that prompt um which then made like the following conversation where he gets like really angry and kind of starts like gaslighting abby into being like you don't like me blah 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 made me like find him even more unlikable so i think he was someone that I, even off the bat when he was being nice, I just wasn't getting good vibes. Um, and then unfortunately, you know, it wasn't that I disliked her, but I just didn't really like Abby that much. I think that <laughs> similar, and I think you and I discussed this in the the preview, I just got like Ashley vibes off her from Until Dawn in that, you know, she was like the quiet one. 
she didn't really do anything uh no, I, and i always no. hate characters that don't pull their weight like emma for example wasn't necessarily with the group a lot of the time so she didn't really help i guess the events but she survived on her own which was fantastic like she basically was just on the run from the get-go trying to make it through without getting killed so like you know her not having a big impact on the narrative like someone like laura or ryan or dylan or caitlin is fine because like she was just trying to do her best thing whereas abby just like sits in the room and does nothing and is always like be safe to everyone who's like risking their lives (laughs) to save everyone and i'm like i have no time for that character well, I think, um, and it is quite noticeable, now that I think about it, out of all the playable characters in the game, Abby is the the second least used character. Now, you don't actually play as Nick. That's not true. No, besides, like, the shooting gallery, I don't think you do. You play as Nick a bit at the beginning of that chapter when him and abby are oh, walking okay. around you okay. control nick because then remember there's the oh, prompt okay. which we'll yeah. talk about a bit later where the oh, yeah, the, 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 the wild yeah, okay. hog appears. Like, it, it they're so infrequent that i forgot that's right like, i'm it, fact checking don't worry yeah no thank you but yeah no in terms of like abby and nick are the least played characters in the game and with abby a lot of the time her moments of uh, playability are very insignificant um besides the one where where nick turns but that is at the that's probably the most major point everything else it's abby's just there to find some clues look around and nick is played once as like a proper playable character the rest is a shooting gallery and a um just like one of the quick time events which as well actually i gotta commend this game actually i did you go through all of the um, tutorial videos i did and i was they, living for it they were really good i i love it when you have that sort of creativity with a tutorial where it's it's played like a outdoor survival cartoon and what i love is the reference to bears when everyone everyone is like is it bears and it's like when the hell have there been bears in hackett's quarry no, I love that. And it immediately, I mean, oops, um, it immediate, immediately made me think of um, like something like Bioshock, for example, because, you know, a lot of the times if you like pick up a plasma or a Vigor, it has that like old timey cartoon where yes. it, goes, it goes through everything. And so I love that. I think it's like little, little things like that. And that's definitely what I think made this game stand apart from you know, the Dark Pictures Anthology games or even Until Dawn is that it had so much else going on. Like it was a fully fleshed out game. Obviously it was a bigger experience, longer than previous games, but things like that, that, you know, like we all could have gotten through the game without having those tutorial videos, but just having them, having someone spend the time to make them was like such a little treat, I felt. And and the details in not only the game, but the collectibles are fantastic. Like, Every every choice you make, or most choices you make, go down a different path between different characters, and depending on well, with the with each path, you get like an old like an old school VHS cover with like its own title of each path in the game, and the cho- and it'll highlight the choices that you've made in like a VHS format, 
And they got like old school, like blockbuster stickers and like promotional stickers on the cover. And it's such a great detail to something that we just see as like almost like the the butterfly effect in Until Dawn. And as well, um, collecting through, you also need to find evidence in this game because in reality, people are going to die in this game. And um, Caitlin points this out half, uh, just under halfway through the game where, hey, we need to document this stuff so that we're not convicted criminals. And all the evidence is like, it, you feel you feel smart you feel smart when you pick up the evidence and you sort of connect all the dots together um, and that's another thing that I really like just piecing together this story of Hackett's quarry um, that was really exciting and on top of that as well like just it there was just so there was so many collectibles that um, just you could just get excited about including the tarot cards which act as like a uh, a premonition for the future and that's how you find out if some characters die or situations to avoid and specifically um, one of them where it transports you to a playable part as Eliza as you're like basically at the incident where the uh, the sideshow catches fire and you play as her for a very brief moment and she's freaking out, like, what is this? How do you have this? Like, just those little details there are just so good about the game. Like, so such a cool feature. You can tell that this game had a lot of love poured into it. Definitely. And, you know, you you mentioned the Hackett family and the mystery surrounding them. And, of course, you know, the, the teenagers are sort of the main character, the main body, but then we do have this whole family, the Hackett's, who essentially kind of, you know, they're two sides of the same coin. And you did say that, the, the thing about this game that I think differs from every other supermassive title, or almost actually, almost, um, is that when you get to the end, someone will have died. There's no way to avoid it because, you know, to save all the teenagers, for example, Chris has to be killed by Ryan. If you choose not to kill Chris, Laura dies instead. So even that just one decision, like you cannot avoid getting through the game without everyone having or someone having been killed. So I guess on that note, um, I want to quickly run run through the Hackett's and get your reactions to them. Obviously, we have Bobby, we have Chris, we have Travis, Caleb, <laughs> Constance, and Jedediah. I mean, we have Kaylee, but we don't really spend any time no, with her. There's zero time. Um, I guess that actually, I mean, most of them are pretty caricature, I think. You know, the, the one that I, and I know you and I have like slightly different opinions about this character. What did you make of Travis Hackett? As you said at the beginning, he is, oh. he is the very like kind of alarm bells cop that we meet. But I think by the end of it, he becomes one of my favorite characters. I know you have a very different opinion though. At, he, he is a necessary evil to the story. Like he was such a dick. Like, even when you're trying to be good, even though, granted, in our playthrough, we had a bit of a mixture of both good and bad, but he was such a dick where he doesn't, he's not telling them as to what's happening. He's just chucked them in a prison cell and just be like, just grabs Laura, be like, watch him turn. And it's just like, man, come on, give him a break. Like, at the end, he, at the end, you do, so you do have that redeemable moment where it's just like, you end the the Hackett family curse. And I'm sure he's very grateful for it. He's just like, thank God. He just wants to be a normal human being again. But um, 
like there was that one moment where you kill Chris Hackett and um, Laura has already turned and she turns back and there's that moment of like, oh, thanks for not killing me. And he just goes, yeah, yeah, me too. Thank you. Like that, that was all right. That was kind of funny. Well, I was going to say, I think his character development and Laura's character development, I think mirror each other. Because, you know, as we said, obviously the prologue is, I guess, Max, Laura and Travis. They're sort of the three mm. characters we meet. They disappear for a while. Halfway through the game, we come back to Max and Laura. We think that, you know, they've been killed. We find out that over the summer, because the prologue takes place the day before summer starts. So we get through summer and basically they're just held in a cell for the whole summer by Travis. Um, Max is a werewolf, so he's already infected up to this point. Laura is not infected. And so you spend a lot of time playing as Laura and basically going through that whole situation and you see her relationship with Travis evolve and I just thought he was a really compelling character you know his motivations I think are are pure like he has the right intentions ultimately he does save Max and Laura because you know the alternative the alternative would have been Max being killed or Max not getting cured same goes for Laura um and yeah I loved how like I mean depending on how you play it a lot of people you know uh Ultimately, Laura and Max do escape the prison and you can play it many different ways. I know you and I played it very differently the first time around, but for me, I did it in a way that meant Travis was basically harmed as little as possible. When I was searching through uh, the prison, I grabbed a syringe, the same syringe that was used to um, knock Laura out at the beginning of the game, knocked Travis out. He just had a little nap time while they got out um so then you know when when they meet when chris when chris does get killed there's this like mutual respect between travis and laura and i do feel that like there's this sense of relief from travis when everything is done you know um one thing i find crazy is that one of the endings and we haven't even really spoken about the ending but ultimately the game ends by breaking the curse which does involve you know, killing Silas and the way the decision is presented kind of tricks you a bit. You know, we mentioned old mate Eliza. She likes to play tricks. She kind of makes you think for a moment, maybe it's not the right decision. I think ultimately it is. And I even remember saying to you that obviously it's heartbreaking to, you know, I guess sort of murder this young boy, but it really is sort of like a a mercy kill in a way. Ultimately he's like, he becomes a monster and you're sort of just, I guess, putting him to rest. Uh, One thing is that the alternative to that, if, you know, you've got Laura there, Travis there, Ryan there, is you can turn on old mate Trav in that moment. Like, who would do yeah. that? Who would do that, honestly? But, yeah, I guess for the other the other Hackett's, I mean, none of them really had anything. I mean, Bobby was a – Bobby was actually sweet. He didn't – I, I loved – I loved the, um, I, I, I saw a lot of comparisons that Bobby looks like John Cena, but I'm like, what do you mean? You can't see him but um <laughs> good joke great joke uh, but no bobby bobby was an interesting character because um you there's dog tags that he has that uh caitlin grabs so he's he's a marine or he's some sort of soldier in the army or was in the army um but there's one you don't really hear a lot from bobby because he's sort of that brooding silent big buff character but then there's a moment playing as ryan who is basically about to die from blood loss 
where he's got a knife in his side. He grabs the knife and stabs um, stabs Bobby, and just Bobby just goes, "Ow! I've never been stabbed before." And he goes, "Paul, I've been stabbed," and and we made the joke of like, "Oh no." Oh no! Don't say that because we'd already killed um, Jedediah. Oh yeah, I know. And that was the thing I thought. One thing I kind of liked about the playthrough is that I feel like from the get-go, I I don't know about you, but I was like so suspicious of the Hackets. You know, I was like, okay. But initially, if anything, they do their best to like keep the the yes. teenagers safe. You know, we mentioned exactly. We mentioned Bobby. If you don't. There's a moment where you're playing as Jacob where if you don't attack Bobby, he pours blood on Jacob, which ultimately keeps him alive. So even mm. Jedediah, like he's kind of like a grumpy old man and doesn't really want to help the teenagers, but all of them actually do try. And even, you know, really like they don't ever try to kill them. They basically just try to capture them and lock them up and keep them safe so that they can, you know, work things out. So I found them really interesting characters because I don't think they were like I don't think they were evil. They have this curse. No. None of them were really responsible for the curse, you know, the main sort of family that we interact with. So I think that it was an interesting game in, you know, again, we go back to the like black and white versus gray of things. Like there was never, I felt like one particular character that was like, easily the villain i mean eliza probably but like she's not really there she's just whispering in people's ears and being like weird but like in terms of the actual characters you interact with i feel like you could make arguments for anyone in terms of like their motivations and you know what was driving their decision making other than jacob jacob sucked but that's oh yeah ja- no that's without question um yeah i i kind of realized that from the beginning that um like when um Bobby and Jedediah, they've covered themselves in blood and they've put up the sign for hunting season. It's like, okay, I don't think they're gonna, I don't, there's something out there. I don't think they're gonna, that hunting is not for the teenagers because at any time when Chris is not there, you, you sometimes do see um, sniper reticles. They could have easily fired a shot at the teenagers, but they didn't it's pretty obvious what they were looking for and it's just they and they were genuinely trying to help it's just these teenagers deaf they don't know what they're up against they don't know who's after them so they're acting in survival mode to an extent and as much as the, as much as they don't want to have to like not hurt them they're like oh man we just got to leave them especially um early on in the game like how when Dylan says you need to cut off the limb to stop the infection, Bobby um, was bitten by Nick early on in the game when Nick was, he wasn't, tur- he hasn't turned, but he is infected. Bobby just grabs a gun and shoots his finger off like nothing's happened and just walks off. So he knows exactly what's happening and he doesn't do anything. And he, I'm assuming if he had taken Nick, he would have been, it would have been to keep him locked in a cage which eventually does happen um, to keep them safe from everyone else. Exactly. Like that's the thing. It was, you know, in terms of the narrative, the characters, there was so much, you know, we've covered both of those things. We've definitely covered sort of the replayability. I guess one of the the last big points I really want to touch on with you is gameplay, of course. You know, most of these games have a very similar gameplay structure. You know, you walk around, you look for things, you make decisions. Um 
a few things, I guess, straight off the bat, you know, without going into like the specific mechanics, how did you find the difficulty in terms of quick time events compared to other games? Because I found this okay. this game like quite easy in terms of like quick yes. time events and not being too stressed in terms of missing anything. I do agree. And I do think that they should stick with um, the analog stick being your method of QTA instead of buttons. Because the amount of times I've accidentally misplaced a button, like misinput a button rather than the analog stick, hell yes, every single day of the week. I think that that was like a really good idea that should be stuck with for the rest, for the rest of time with supermassive games, like really good stuff there. Um, it doesn't play any more different to any other supermassive game. You have the same mechanics of walking around, searching for items. You move to a spot to start off a, Q- a QTE or cutscene. Um, visually, though, the game was stunning. We were playing this on a PS5, and this was th- th- this game was gorgeous. The only visual hiccup I would even consider is sometimes the hair physics was a little bit off, but then as well the water. Um, the water animation did feel like it was moving at a much lower frame rate ra- compared to what is happening on screen. So that was like a little little uh, performance and visual thing. But the game is beautiful, especially if you've got, you know, especially if you have like a nice TV and a PS5 would be the most optimal way to play the game. I don't know what the game is like on an Xbox Series X, um, but on PS5 specifically, the game is beautiful. Well, yeah, as you said, it is a, a beautiful game. I think, yeah, you mentioned the visuals. Obviously, you know, the, the motion capture was unbelievable. I thought, you know, there oh, were amazing. There were times, you know, particularly I found when like, you know, there was a a darker sequence when you'd kind of just get like a silhouette of a character or like just like, you know, shading. I thought like there were moments where I was like, this could almost be real. Like it looks so realistic. Even, you know, you mentioned Eliza and sort of the the interlude moments between chapters. I thought that motion capture was unbelievable. And that was part of what I found so unnerving about um, that like tarot card reading sequence. Um, I have to disagree with you though. I actually did not like the analog stick quick time events. Really? I just found it. I just think it didn't really grasp the like urgency that, you know, mashing a button does. I think, you know, there was sort of, um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just like my, my hands just didn't like the idea of moving the analog stick as opposed to like quickly mashing a button. And like you said, sometimes that can cause, um, like very silly mistakes, but I, I find that's like the fun of it. Uh, so I think it, it definitely works for sure. And it also works in the sense of, you know, a lot of the times the direction you'd move the analog stick would also mirror like the direction the character would be going or like where mm. the, the scene would take take you. So I liked that. I just didn't, you know, I just missed the like frantic panic of like pressing a button. Um, what, I, what I did like actually, another thing, um, I, I, I definitely preferred the don't breathe mechanic from this compared to House of Ashes because I hated those well yeah those I was... were the worst you had to be like pinpoint precision in the middle of your heartbeat with this thankfully you can just hold down um you can hold down the button and when it feels right you can then remove to mo- keep moving forward in the game like 
holy crap, that was such a relief. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, sort of the, the tense nature of, of the game. Uh, yeah, every sort of like uh, supermassive game has that like specific mechanic that's a bit different, a bit new. You know, in Until Dawn, it was the, let's be honest, broken mechanic <laughs> that was the like motion control PS4, like genius idea, but in terms of oh, like no, I, execution. I never, u- I never used motion controls in Until Dawn. What do you, like, what do you mean? Wait, oh, were they mandatory? This, you know, like this, the sequences where like you'd have to hold the controller still. Oh, okay. Yes. Sorry. My bad. Yep. Yeah, okay. Now that's all coming. That's flooding back to me. I, it's been a long time since I've played Until Dawn. Yes. Gotta, well, like, well oh. I guess that game's unique um, gameplay mechanic was that's that, you true. know, in the 10th. And it was essentially like, I don't know, like the only way to actually beat that game, particularly at the end, where like if you move the controller literally like a centimeter, you would die. You would just put it on like the table, on the floor, on a surface. So I liked the intention behind that mechanic. It just was almost impossible to actually execute. As you said, House of Ashes had the right idea with this breathing mechanic. Execution wasn't great. The quarry, I think, nailed it. Uh, As you said, you know, you just hold it down. Very tense moments. You know, sometimes you would be holding their breath right down to the wire. And I kind of liked that it, it put you in this game of like, chicken where you know so i guess for context you would hold the button down you would have like a a frame and essentially there would be sort of red hues in the corner that would indicate that the threat was still around you would just have to hold the button down until they disappeared or you felt it was safe and you could go and i loved it i think it was great and i really want them to keep it for future horror gameplay elements because it worked superbly i thought I wholeheartedly agree. I think that was probably one of the biggest improvements to the gameplay itself. Um, one th- and as well, um, if you downloaded the digital deluxe version of the game, actually, that's one thing I wasn't a big big fan of because super massive games with um, Man of Medan, House of Ashes, and uh, Little Hope, they've all been very reasonably priced. But I do understand that they are much more bite-sized experiences. This was a full-length cinematic game. Um, There was the digital deluxe version, which had like a bunch of filters that were fun to play around with, and as well some uh, additional movie modes, which that's another thing. If you just want to watch the game, you can. And there's like a gore fest movie mode where it has everyone dying in the most in the worst way possible. Um, That's a fun little extra um, to the game, Um, and with like every supermassive game there's there's multiplayer with you there's like couch co-op with your friends and as well there's going to be um online multiplayer coming up as well so support for the game is definitely not going away i i kind of wish that as much as i don't like the idea of it but adding more story dlc would be kind of cool but i do kind of want to get into one of the things that i didn't really like about the game and this is specifically relating to Ryan, where at the start, you can sort of have the choice to sort of flirt with either Caitlin or Dylan. And we, we, tried, we wanted to have the bromance. We wanted to have Ryan and Dylan. But it kind of, once Ryan sort of went off, it, everything just sort of stopped to a halt 
Well, firstly, I wouldn't call it a bromance. I would just call it a romance because, like, there was like, <laughs> like there was like actual romantic chemistry. Oh, there, there. was. Yeah, it, you it, had like the the cheeky one liners between the two. That was really good. Yeah, I loved the. the sorry, just like, uh, uh, yeah, I was like, for anyone listening in, it definitely wasn't a bromance. Like, it was a proper ro- <laughs> romantic situation. But continue. Um, but it, I didn't like how it just stopped. Like, they didn't carry onto it, and I. I wish there could have been like a proper moment between the two. Like, so similar to how Nick and Abby sort of had that moment. I kind of wish that you had the same with Ryan and Dylan. Yeah, I do agree that it was kind of a, an odd, I guess. It, yeah. Cause it was definitely presented very early on. Uh, I think um, what I necessarily didn't like about the, the options, I loved the like, you know, by representation because you definitely have like yes. Ryan and you have like, you know, the female identifying romantic option, male identifying romantic option. I just didn't like the build up because I think it was very much so. And even though I found Ryan and Dylan a more compelling romantic pairing, anyways, I think that it's very much so forced that way because at the beginning of the game, those two spend a lot of time together, whereas Caitlin and Ryan don't really spend any time together at all interacting. So it kind of makes a decision pointless. And then I guess the payoff comes really early without any buildup. Like at least with Nick and Abby, we get like a really long sequence of them being together. You kind of establish things. And yeah, as you said, Dylan and Ryan have a lot of flirtatious comments and dialogue and then it, it goes away. And then there's almost that implication that Ryan's into Laura, which is very bizarre given that, you know, Laura's motivations are to get her boyfriend, Max, free. So, yeah, I do agree with you. I think that there was, like, a very, like, weird narrative kind of, like, plot hole in that sense, which doesn't make sense yeah. for a video game. And then, and plus, Caitlin as well had the hots for Ryan, and he didn't, like, I think he, he knew about it, but he didn't really play on it. He's like, oh, yeah, they like me. And he's like, I don't know. But it's just like, I wish that we could have had a proper moment with either Kate, Ryan and Caitlin or Ryan and Dylan instead of just the, the building to it to no payoff. Um, you know, <laughs> Jacob at the start of the game wants to get with Emma and Emma's just like, no, nah, summer fling, don't want to deal with you ever again. And Jacob's just that jealous type where um, any sort of attraction from anyone else towards um, Emma and he loses it especially during that campfire scene. Oh, yeah, big baby. Um, big, big baby vibes. <laughs> like, not, not, not what we want at all. But no, when you play Truth or Dare, what the hell are you going to expect? I know, classic, honestly. Uh, yeah, I think that was, um, and I know you and I have, have discussed this as well, that's probably my big criticism of the, the structure of the storyline and I guess the gameplay elements is that a lot of the time it's either you're just as the playable character on your own or it's just like you and one other character I didn't like that there's very little interaction as a big group I found that really lacking I do agree particularly because you know you had nine playable characters and obviously I guess it they got away with it because the setting was so big that oftentimes characters were all over the place but there was no payoff in the sense of you know I guess you know, naturally going back to Until Dawn, what I loved was like ultimately the game culminates with all the characters in the same place, whoever survived, and then, you know, from that, whoever survived, survives. And I kind of wanted that with this game uh, 
in that, you know, there's like one big payoff moment where all the characters are together. Really, it's just Laura, Ryan and Travis Hackett. And then, you know, the game cuts, the credits roll. We get a little snapshot of who survived, who hasn't. I wanted there to be more interaction within the group in general, even to have Travis interact with the others. I just feel like there was almost like the final third act, like between um, everything happening and then Travis, Laura and Ryan ending things with Silas, I feel like there was like a whole chapter or two that should have been between Chris dying and Silas dying. I don't know do if you, you agree. I do agree in that the ending, sh- I, I wish there was a proper ending cutscene rather than sort of a scissor reel of all the characters that are alive or dead. But do you do you think the ending was rushed? Because I do think it was. Oh, definitely. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I mean, again, it's the payoff of the narrative. Like the fact that after all that, we didn't even get, Mind you, Max had already died in my playthrough. But the fact that you don't even get the payoff of Laura and Max reuniting, like what was the point of like going through that journey with both of them if you don't have that moment of them reuniting? Or even, I mean, you get sort of the chance for Jacob to, you know, kind of confess and consolidate things with Emma. But then, you know, Abby and Nick, you don't really get anything with that. Even, you know, Ryan, Dylan and Caitlin, where's the payoff? Like, that was the thing. I feel like they set up a lot of, like, emotional relationships, didn't really do much with them, and then ultimately the game just ended. So, yeah, I I agree it was was rushed for sure. I'd say, like, the true ending that you get with the game. Now, this this is where I I hate. I I, I love this game, but I I don't want to hate on it. But the ending credit sort of thing with the podcast... Um, so throughout the game, you will be collecting evidence and at, and obviously, um, Caitlin said that, yes, we need to keep, we need to keep this stuff on hand just in case, you know, they get accused of murder, um, which in our first playthrough, um, we actually got a, a random anywhere. It's like, um, uh, it's like a, it's blamed on a bear attack going back to that bear theme there's no bears in Hackett's quarry what are you talking about so we see it as like a cover-up so obviously the evidence that we had was good enough but then the second playthrough which we had everyone alive um that had a headline where it's like um you know teens kill you know innocent people blah 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 blah. and then once the podcast is sort of they've been sent the evidence from a listener and they're going through it. They're seeing pictures of um, missing hikers, um, a, a, a camera shot of the werewolf themselves. Because when you play as Emma, you have the option to actually take a photo of this thing to document it as you're running away and escaping from it. And then just bits of evidence throughout the game. And as the podcast finishes, the headline on the computer changes to... Um, all teens acquitted um hackett like um hackett's quarry mystery um done by unidentified animal that kind of thing um not to that not to that exact phrasing but very similar so that's sort of the true ending that you get to this game um i wish i i I don't know if this was like a rushed thing for development or um, perhaps it was something that was vetoed or anything like that. I really, or, or this was the intention. Um, 
I do wish there was more to the ending and more to, I wish we could have not had the podcast, but just a cut scene of like something other than that. Look, I, I couldn't agree more. Definitely there was some shortcomings. Overall, such a great experience. You know, we've gone through basically oh, everything in detail. Uh, I guess the the last thing to really discuss before before we wrap up is what do you want to see from, from Supermassive moving forward? Like what, you know, we mentioned, you know, the bingo card of all the Supernatural characters. Like do you want to see them putting out more horror games with these weird elemental vibes? Like what what do you want Supermassive to do now? Well, remember, this isn't going to be the first release of Supermassive Games this year. Um, in October, they have um, the new Dark Pictures anthology, um, The Killer in Me, which is going to be taking, I think, a much more realistic tone where people are captured by a serial killer. So if it, I think that's my answer. They are definitely, I think, uh, the realistic side of things. That sounds pretty darn cool, but I do think if they are going to tackle this style of game where it's more akin um, to it, like an 80s horror film, similar to like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street or anything like that, um, I would love to see a more paranormal focused game. Similar, uh, the idea that I have is the Ghost Hunters from Resident Evil 7 in a full-fledged game that's what that that would be something that i would be down for similar uh, almost similar to how like a prototype of resident evil 4 where it had a more paranormal element to it i, I think we need to see something with ghosts or apparitions or, or demons or anything like that i think that'd be kind of cool that would be very cool that'd be very cooked i would like i already know i would freak out uh yeah i think um I think the thing that I really took away from this game is that, you know, obviously sometimes, you know, bigger development, uh, bigger publisher involvement has repercussions. But what I found is of all the games that Supermassive have put out, you know, when Until Dawn was released, it was published by Sony, had a big backing, obviously it was a PlayStation exclusive. Uh, the budget you know, the, the spectacle was fantastic. Dark Pictures Anthology have all been great games published by Bandai Namco. And I think that, you know, maybe that is the reason why the games themselves are more self-contained. Whereas, you know, this game, The Quarry, was published by 2K. And even though I kind of hate that 2K are involved in everything, I would love to see Supermassive, you know, continue their Dark Pictures anthology games, which we know they're going to be doing because they've already announced a billion more on the way. But oh, I, yes. do, I do like this idea of them then sort of collaborating with other publishers and having other projects. I mean, I know when you and I discussed the preview, like we mentioned how this announcement came out of nowhere. Like we knew that there was more Dark Pictures on the way. This just got announced and then four months later it was getting released. So I would love to see them continue to explore this like teen horror genre and if it's with 2k again that would be fantastic because i think you know the 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 scale of this game speaks for for itself and having a big I, publisher is always a good thing in terms of having resources i think it's also a credit to supermassive games themselves for putting out such quality like you can tell that all these games are a labor of love you can tell that this is a game like passion commitment and just overall fun has been put into this and 
I think it, it's great that Supermassive are getting more attention because, frankly, they deserve it. Um, but hell yeah, I'd love to see them collaborate with more, with more publishers. I'd like to see more games come from them. Uh, I don't, who knows how long the quarry's been in the works for because, yeah, it came out of nowhere. No one, there, I don't think there was even a, like any sort of article leaking any information. So everything was so tight-lipped um, to, to the point where it was such a surprise seeing Supermassive Games put out a second game in a, in a year. Um, hell yeah. Um, Supermassive are such an amazing developer. Support them in any way you can. Like buy, buy this game and buy all their other games because they, they, deserve, to, they deserve to have more opportunities like this. Definitely. And just lastly, before I do the big wrap-up spiel, just off the top of your head, obviously, you know, Supermassive, part of why we love these games is they get such a great ensemble cast. Who do you oh, want yes. Who do you want to be in the next game? Just give me oh, one of your favourite actors. On. Who would you love to see? Uh, given how in House of Ashes they had Ashley Tisdale and in The Quarry they had Brenda Song, for God's sake, I want a Sweet Wife and Zack and Cody horror game by Supermassive. I want to have the whole Sweet Life of Zack and Cody crew. Oh, yeah, agreed. We need Dylan and Cole Sprouse. We need them all. We need Ted Mosby. That would be great. Uh, I personally would kind of just, like, you know, they've obviously had really big actors, but in terms of, like, really hitting the, like, A-list, A-list, I want, okay, hear me out. I I want someone like The Rock in these games. (laughs) Like, wouldn't that just be, like, imagine, like, The Rock and Kevin Hart. This is their next collaboration together. It's Uh, a super massive title. That's what we want. There is no way, as much as that would be great, I don't think there is in any way, shape, or form we're going to see a game where The Rock dies in a brutal fashion. (laughs) Hey, you never know, folks. You never know. And, you know, on that note, it is the, the end of our review but, hey, you know, if if you want to let us know which celebrity, which actor you want in the next Supermassive title, hit us up on our socials at Player One on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Please let us know because I know Connor and I have so many suggestions, but we want to hear from you, our dear listeners. Of course, Monday nights, 8 to 11 p.m. We're on SIN. Check us out, sin.org.au, 90.7 FM. Very exciting content coming your way. We've got, you know, season two is is sadly ending, but we're coming back better than ever with season three. So stay tuned for all that. Of course, you know, we've got other reviews, other interviews, other previews up on the podcast realm. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Omni and Spotify. Just type in player one. We'll be there. You'll be hearing my voice, Connor's voice, everyone else's lovely voices. If you want to see our faces as well as hear our lovely voices, head over to our YouTube. We've got great content there as well, but it has been a pleasure chatting to you, Connor. Anything you want to say to our listeners before we bid them farewell? Oh, always a pleasure doing a fun review on a game that you should go out and buy. I highly recommend it. Go get it. Go get it like right now. Absolutely. And, you know, everyone listening in, this has been the latest Player One Review.